We're on week five of our series called Life Rhythms. And so we have one more week left in this series. And really what we're doing in this series is we're, we're looking at the Gospels as a biography of the life of Jesus. And so we're, we're looking, looking for rhythms in his life. Things that, that Jesus, not so much what he taught uh, or theology, but that, how did he live? If, if we were friends with Jesus, if, if we were alive in the, in the time that he was walking the earth, there were some rhythms in his life. He disappeared a lot. You know, to, he, he, he was big on solitude. He, um, he, was, he was big on um, separation. He didn't do everything that culture was doing. And, and so we've traveled through these, these different topics each week. And today's topic is probably the most surprising one, honestly. And it was, it was a tough one to get ready for. Uh, and so I'm going to share it with you here in a second. Let's read our theme verse together. This has kind of been our, our banner verse in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And so he's inviting us, he's inviting his disciples, those that, that were listening to not so much just learn about his theology and the stories and the parables, but to watch his life and to copy his, his rhythms. And so, so today's rhythm is a little different. I wanna, I wanna throw some folks on the screen and see if you could recognize these people. Maybe you can. This guy is a, a wealthy businessman. Let me see if I can, okay. Yeah, he's a wealth, wealthy businessman. He, he, he's the owner of Wayne Enterprises. He drives the nice car. He has the fancy gadgets. I think if he was alive today, he might own Apple or Tesla. He's kind of a modern-day Elon Musk or something like that. I don't know. But that's how the, 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 the world knew him. That's how the, most people knew him. But if you know, does anybody know who that is? Yeah. And so, so, so his, his hidden, his secret life on the side, he was Batman. He showed up and when people were in distress and he, he showed up when uh, people needed saving. And, but no one really knew that about his life. It was completely secret. This, this guy, let me throw him up there. This was an insecure teenager who was really into photography. He lost his parents young, so he lived with his grandparents in the suburbs of New York. Um, he, he was, there's nothing special about him. Pretty quiet. Uh, in a crowd, he would be unrecognizable. Does anybody want to take a guess? Peter Parker, right? right? Is that, and so he's Spider-Man. So but, but again, nobody knew. This was his kind of secret identity that nobody really knew about. Let me put one more up there. This guy's a journalist. And uh, he just some happens to be when, where, where news is happening uh, all the time. And, and, and he's not there to, to help anybody. He's there to, to get the story. Uh, he takes his job really serious. He kind of stays to himself. He works for the Daily Planet. Does anybody want to take a guess at who this guy is? Clark Kent, all right? So he's known as, as Superman. Now, my six-year-old son has every one of these costumes. And uh, he, he loves, you know, dressing up. But what's, what's amazing to me is that some of our heroes, from a comic standpoint, they all had secret identities, now, that's fiction, right? But what about, like, in reality, like, you know, every day that we live? I think that we have heroes around us all the time. I sat down with a couple this, this, or last, this week, and uh, they're about to get married, and uh, he's about to deploy. And so 
can't really say much about what he's going to do, can't really say much about where he's going. And one of the things that I really respect about the men and women that serve our country is a lot of what they do is completely unseen. They can't tell their families what they're doing. A lot of times they can't tell their families where they are. My brother-in-law is in the Air Force. He's been in for over, I think, close to 10 years or, or, or more. Yeah. And uh, so there's a lot of times where he's, you know, he's, he's somewhere and, and no one knows. But secretly, he's keeping people safe. Secretly, he's laying his life down. And these men and women are heroes. They're in our grocery stores. Uh, they're dropping their kids off next to us at school. They're in this church. And what's cool about all this is that this isn't a new, a new thing. That, that Jesus is known as the messianic secret. That Jesus had a, a secret private life that he didn't want people to know about. And some of you are real quiet, so let's, let's go through this. And I'm just going to stay in the book of Mark. And it, the, the, the theological term is the messianic secret. But in the book of Mark, just the first nine chapters, there's about ten different times where Jesus would do something. He would help someone in an incredible way and then, and then ask them to stay silent about it. In Mark chapter 1 and chapter 2, it was, you know, Jesus had a, a, a deliverance ministry. And so in Mark chapter 1, he, he, was, um, he, he had delivered someone from, from a, they were demon-oppressed. And the demon began to, to say, hey, this is Jesus. We know who you are. And Jesus swore him to secrecy, told him to, to be quiet. That happened twice in just the first couple of chapters of, of the book of Mark. Those that he healed in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1, again, he healed a man with leprosy. And as soon as he healed him, he said, don't tell anybody. Keep this a secret. Keep this between us. Mark chapter 5, there was a girl who had died. And Jesus goes to the house and resurrects this dead girl. And once she comes back to life, he says, hey, by the way, don't tell anybody what happened. There was a deaf man that was healed by Jesus in Mark chapter 7. And he heals him. And then he's, he's, all, he's able to speak as well. So he was mute and deaf. Jesus heals him. And then immediately he commanded him, don't tell anybody. Again, Mark chapter 8, there was a, a blind man that Jesus healed. Now, how, I mean, how can you... How can you keep a blind man being healed secret is what I, you know what I mean? Like there's really no, this guy was born blind and, he, and Jesus heals him and he says, don't go to the village, go home. I don't want anybody to know. And what I'm, I'm seeing in, in the life of Jesus was he was a part of the, of the way that he was able to do the works that he was able to do is because he didn't disclose them. It wasn't public. There was things that he didn't want people to know that he was doing. It's, it's, we're we're going to call it secrecy, that, that Jesus valued secrecy in his life and in his ministry. That there were certain things that he was able to do because he didn't wear it on his t-shirt. Because he, he didn't publicize it. And, and the first thing I, I want you to see here is that we, we know according to the Gospel of John that that if everything was written down that Jesus performed, all the miracles, he said all the books in all the world couldn't handle them, couldn't fit them. And so we're given a little snapshot of the ministry of Jesus, but we know there was a lot of things that he didn't publicize. He didn't tweet every good deed. <laughs> he didn't take a picture at every outreach. He didn't get a selfie with every person that he healed and threw it on his timeline, right? He, he didn't feel the need and the pressure to publicize his life 
to anyone. If the best I can tell, he was, he was pretty secretive about where he was going and what he was doing, down to the point to where the 12 disciples who were like kind of his closest guy, you know, closest um, friends, half the time didn't know what he was doing. He disappeared. He was on a mountain. He was in a boat. There was a crowd showing up. Jesus said, okay, great. We're going to go to a different city. Like, so it, it was, it was, so a lot of what he was doing, he, he didn't tell everybody and especially his good works. And then he says this in Matthew six, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Cause if you do, you're going to have no reward from your father. He doesn't say it's wrong. He just says you're missing out on a blessing. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites or they do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you openly. There's a principle here. He doesn't say that it's, it's, it's not okay to, to do good things and to document it and to tell people. But there's this hidden, I think, rhythm in the life of Jesus. He knew that he wasn't doing it to be seen. And what I love about our church is, is we have some of the most generous people I've ever met in my life. And I can't start naming them because a lot of their generosity goes completely unnoticed and they require that. The largest donations that we've ever received as a church, a caveat to the gift was, I don't want nobody to know who I am. I don't want my name on a plaque. I don't want to be recognized. I don't want anybody. And it could just be because I don't want folks. You know, you win the lottery, everybody comes out. Hey, you got third cousins you didn't even know about. Want a handout. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that's the reason. I don't think so. I think it's because the most generous people that I know in my life, they understand this principle. They don't do good to be seen. They do good because they want, they, they want God to reward them. And so a lot of times that we can almost, we can kind of short circuit the blessing that God wants for our life because we, wanna, we want it to be seen. And it, it blows my mind because a lot of times these, when folks, especially there's, there's some people that serve every week and they've been serving every week for years and, and they get uncomfortable when we recognize them. And, and to me, that's the character of Christ. Jesus was quiet about what he did. He lived a quiet life. First Thessalonians chapter four, Paul encourages believers, make it your ambition. If you wanna be ambitious, live a quiet life. Don't tell everybody what you're thinking. Don't put it, everything on social media, right? Like, cause a lot of times when you do that, it, it, number one, it just attracts criticism. But there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a principle here, there's a truth here that this is really hard to do in the 21st century. This is really hard to do. And I, th and I think also a part of us, when we do something good, like we, we wanna be seen. You know, there, there's a part of our, of our I think just as, as human beings that we want it to be recognized. But, but Jesus is, is letting us in on a secret here, a rhythm of his life. And he's saying, if you can do these good works and live like, you're living for the, an audience of one. Not to be seen, not for anyone to notice. When I was, I went to a PJC for a couple of semesters. Now it's PSC, it's a community college. And I'll, I'll never forget this student was 
Um, he was in a public speaking class with me, the one that I, bl- I flunked out of it, actually. I dropped the class. But um, he, uh, he challenged me one time. He, he said, I want you to do this. I want you to, be, I w- I want you to be as generous as you can be secretly. And he told me about what he had been doing, that he gave away a, um, you know, he, he was giving away, like, just his stuff, a PlayStation. And he, he gave away all this stuff. And he says, I want to challenge you to try it because what you're going to find is when you, when you bless people secretly, God will bring it back into your life. Your life. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, right? Like, like, the, like as, we, as we pour out, God pours in. And so I tried it. And, 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 I thought, and he was right. It was crazy. I'd give away a surfboard. Somebody would give me a better one, right? You know, it, it was like, I would, you know, I would, I would volunteer my time. My boss would decide on Friday we we're going to golf and not work, you know? It was like, I, I felt like I could connect the dots because I wasn't telling anybody about it. That it was like this, this secret generosity and this secret giving was allowing God to bless me in ways that I could never be blessed if I was doing it to be seen or to have my name on a plaque or, or to accomplish something. It was just doing good to others that were around me. And he told me, this, this student, and uh, he said, you know, I've, I found one thing with God is, is in Christianity is that you can never outgive God. And I think he's right. That, that when we live open-handedly, when we live a generous life, it's amazing how it comes back into our life. And it may not come back in the same way that it went out, right? It, it may not come back in the same form or the same way, but, but we have this rhythm in the life of Jesus where he, and I really don't have an explanation. I wish I could say, well, I think this is why Jesus kept all, a lot of his good work secret. I don't know. I don't know if it's just he didn't want to attract crowds I don't know if it was, um, you know, because certain people he revealed things to, but certain people he, different, he didn't. But it's amazing to me how most of his miracles, a lot of them, he, he, he wanted to keep it under wraps. The second thing I want us to look at is in Luke chapter 5, and we hit on this on, on week one. Jesus was big on solitude. He, he disappeared a lot. He, he got alone, he was alone, he was silent. He, he went into, a, you know, a garden, got on a boat, he was constantly disappearing from the crowd and Luke says it like this as often as possible Jesus Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer and so we we see this as a clear rhythm in his life and we didn't get too much into this on week one but I want to talk about this that when when Jesus disappeared and he got alone he wasn't just alone to be alone that he was doing something that he, he disappeared, and, and from what I can tell, his greatest places of prayer were these secret places. The, these places where he would just disappear. And, and, I, and I think, you know, 2,000 years ago, it was probably easy to do that because they walked everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, so if you're walking, uh, uh, you know, you're walking to, to a restaurant, you could probably just slip off to a little trail and get in a garden somewhere or, you know, slip off by yourself. But how do we do this now in the 21st century? You know, how do we do this in our everyday life? And I think it's these rhythms of, of secret prayer. It was what Jesus did privately that made him powerful publicly. It was the, the ministry that he lived and the, the way that he was able to do what he did was because he had this secret prayer life that was hidden from most people where he would disappear. And so what does that look like for us? I think that looks like we're driving our kids to school and we're praying 
We got an hour. We got an hour for a break, and so on that hour, we're going to pull out our lunch. But I'm going to I'm going to read a devotion, or I'm going to get in, in into the Word, or or when we wake up in the mornings and before we get ready, or while we're getting ready. But it's integrating this this secret prayer into our lives, into the everyday rhythms of our life. And what I what I love about the way that Jesus did it is we don't see him praying at church, like he he just integrated it into what he was doing where he was going. And that's a rhythm, I think, that'll change our lives. That not only was it what Jesus did privately that made him powerful publicly, I think it's what athletes do privately that make them powerful publicly. It's that secret practice that nobody sees. It's those hidden hours where you're working. It's, it's secret studying that makes you score higher on the test, right? It's putting in the time and it's putting in the work. It's, un, it's unseen. Nobody knows what's going on, but you do. And I think it's those moments that we have with God when we're alone are the most powerful. And I love coming together to worship, and Sundays are awesome, and one of my favorite days of the week. But for me personally, I feel like the real... The real breakthrough moments in my life were in secret prayer. When I was facing something or, or was going through, a, I might have been in my car, or just, just, just knowing that, okay, I, this is, I don't know how to handle this situation, so I'm going to disappear for a little bit and talk to God. And it's amazing how out of this rhythm of secret prayer that you begin to get the download that you need. And I think this works in every area of our lives, no matter what it is that we do Monday through Friday. That, that, that God is inviting us into this, this life of prayer with him where, where we're communing with him in every moment and in every day to get the download that we need or whatever might be coming next. And so it was a secret life, the secret prayer life of Jesus that made him powerful publicly. Now, I'm gonna tell two more, two more stories and then we're gonna pray together because this is what I felt like I really needed to share today. And so Jesus, he had a public life. He had crowds and he taught and he shared certain things publicly. But then a, a rhythm of his life that I think is probably the most important for us is that he had a small group of people that he, that he shared a lot with. And I want you to, I want you to see this. The first, in the first story is the Mount of Transfiguration. And in the Mount of Transfiguration, so Jesus constantly had crowds, people trying to get to him. He had people, you know, he was, he was feeding people, he was healing people. Of course, the whole world wanted to get to Jesus. And so he would thin out the crowd on purpose. And then he had the, you know, he had his 12 disciples who spent you know, three, three and a half years with him almost every day. But then he had these three guys. I'm going to call them like three good men or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like he had these three really close friends that he, he really shared everything with. One of these moments was the Mount of Transfiguration. And he, he went up on this mountaintop. And now I want you to notice he purposely left the disciples at the bottom. He purposely got away from the crowds. And he just took his three friends up with, with him. And this is what it, it, Matthew 17 tells us happens. After... After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and he led them up on a high mountain by themselves. Now, it was here that Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. So these three people, Peter, James, and John, got to see a side of Jesus that nobody else got to see. 
Could Jesus do that publicly? Probably not. Would he have done that? Probably not. So Jesus didn't share everything publicly, but he did share everything privately with a few people. And I'm finding that in my life, the Mount of Transfiguration, when the mask came off for Jesus, everybody knew he was the son of God. He couldn't hide it anymore. Like, like Peter, James, and John were ready to build an altar right there. They're like, hey, all right, we've, we've arrived. Like, uh, you know, we, we, really, we really know who Jesus is now. We have an inside look at who he is. This, this transfiguration means like a metamorphosis. He basically took off the mask and he showed these three men who he really was. I'm praying for this message. I felt like what God spoke to me that I wanted to ask you was this, does anybody know who you really are? See, because we just talked about these three comic characters and they had this public personality, but then they had this part of their life that nobody knew about. And I think if we would be real with each other this morning, which is hard to do with a couple hundred people, but if we were having coffee, what social media has done for us in the 21st century is it's just created this way to show the world who you are and you get to pick it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you my best self. And so you're going to get the highlight reel of my life. And all 5,000 of your friends or 50,000 of your followers know the person that you have projected yourself to be out there. But every person deep down inside, including Jesus, had parts of his life that he only shared with a few. And I want to know, do you have anybody in your life that you could take the mask off with? Do you have anybody in your life that you can really share who you are? And I know you can't do that at work. And I know you can't do that when you're, because, when, you know, you're in charge. Or, and, and you can't just share that with everybody. Again, this is, here's this principle. You know, uh, the ancient church called it confession. But whatever you want to call it, that there's, there's, there's somebody in your life. Now, again, these, these were not priests or popes or pastors. These were just three ordinary men that Jesus decided, I'm going to show them who I really am. I'm going to drop the mask here. I'm going to let this, these three guys in and let them really know who I am. And that's what he does. And it's amazing that in that moment, there was a bond that was built, that in that moment that they got to know a part of Jesus that nobody else knew, and that in that moment, I really believe it's in those moments as Christians that we break through spiritually in our life. C.S. Lewis said this, that friendship is born the moment where you share your heart with someone and, they, and the person responds, oh, I feel the same way, me too as well. That the moment you, you drop the mask down and then you realize you're not the only one, that there's other people who feel the way that you feel and have gone through the stuff that you've gone through, this is a really critical part, I think, of, of, of living a victorious life is that we don't live it in the dark. Now, I'm not saying to go ahead and throw you a Facebook post up there and just air all your dirty laundry out. That's, that's a great way to uh, probably attract a lot of, of um, you know, unnecessary work and explanation. But do you have a few close friends that you can share what you're really facing, who, who you really are, what you're going through? And I'm going to be just real with you. There's, I, I'm thankful that I have a group like that, and I want you to have that. 
that I have a group of men that I, I meet with on Tuesday mornings is when we meet. And there's days where I just tell them straight up, I don't feel like a pastor today. I just got really mad driving here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or, or this, is, this, is, this is how, I, this, is, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm facing. Jesus had that. And I think he wants you to have that. Second story, and then we're going we're gonna to close. We're going to pray together. I want you to notice the same three guys, Peter, James, and John. And it's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. It's the kind of the last few moments of Jesus' life. Judas had already got paid, but betrayed Jesus. Jesus is the only one that really knew. And it's, I don't think it's coincidence that he gets these same three guys and he separates himself from the 12. He trusted these men. And I love that Peter was in, it was one of the three because he was a little wild. You know what I mean? Like he was a little crazy. Like when, when, the, when, when, the, when, the, when the soldiers showed up to take Jesus, he, he pulled a knife and, and he cut a guy's ear off. Do you really think he was trying to cut his ear off? Peter was trying to kill that guy, you know, like, so he was, he was a little bit crazy, and I'm glad that Jesus trusted him enough to be himself in front of him. But these were not perfect people. And so Jesus is, is struggling emotionally, mentally. His friend just betrayed him right after feeding him and washing his feet. He gets up and he runs off like a little snitch, right? And Jesus is struggling. And he pulls these three guys apart, and this is what he says. He, he took Peter, James, and John, and he became anguished and distressed in front of them. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Can you just stay here and just sit with me? It's powerful. That in these, this moment of where Jesus really, really needed strength and prayer, he didn't go to the crowd for it. He didn't even go to the whole 12. He went to his father and these three close men in his life. And when they wouldn't pray, <laughs> he said, well, just sit here. Just, just let me tell you, let me tell you how I feel right now. And that was the second question that I felt like I needed to ask you this morning. Does anybody know how you really feel? I know, we, you know, a lot of times it's easy to, you got to put on a front a, a, a lot. There's times where you got to stay strong for the people that are around you, and you got to stay strong because you know you you can't just let everybody know what, how you feel all the time. That that's just not a healthy way to live. But Jesus, in the moment where he really needed strength and he really needed God to show up in his life, not only did he tell God that he was just didn't really like the plan that had been laid in his lap, but he let his friends know how he was feeling. And I know feelings are deceptive and, and emotions are deceptive and, and feelings aren't always right, but they're real. And the way that Jesus walked through and fulfilled what he was put here to do was because he had a group of guys. He had close friends in his life that he could share his heart with. And I really want that for you. That's why small groups has been, was the first ministry we launched as a church. It's why when somebody comes and, and meets with me and they're, and they're going through something, I don't encourage them to read a book or to listen to a sermon. I encourage them, do you have some friends that, that can walk with you through this? 
Do you have some people in your life that you can just put the mask down and let them know how you really feel, that you don't always feel like going to work? There's some days where I would rather be anywhere else in the world. And you can't share that with your boss, right? But somebody needs to know. Because I think it's in those moments of our life when we get really brutally honest with God and with a, with a few trustworthy people, we get really brutally honest that breakthrough happens and strength comes and God shows up when we're, when we're willing to confess our faults one to another, when we're really, really able to tell the truth to people. And I, and I know that we, we you know, there's, it's, it's hard sometimes to try to, to keep up with the Joneses and, and we got to have a certain amount of that. But, but can you really, really be yourself in front of somebody? Because God wants that for you. I want you just to, to bow your head and I want to pray. Father, we thank you so much for not only... God, giving us this message that there's power when we confess and when we share our faults, but you modeled it for us. That in your moment of weakness, you didn't get alone, you didn't disappear, you shared your heart in front of a few friends, you cried in front of them, you shared what you were facing and what you were going through. Lord, I pray that you would give us the boldness to live this way. Lord, give us the boldness to to trust again. If we're here this morning and maybe you have trusted someone before and you shared something vulnerable and and, and it it backfired on you, I want to ask you, will you trust somebody again? Because God wants you to have a, a group of people around you that you don't have to try to act in front of and put to a facade together, like that you're somebody you're not, that God wants you to be exactly who he's created you to be and to be able to share what you're going through and what you're facing. And so Lord, I pray that, that you would bring those kind of people into our life that we can share and confide in. And if, if you don't have anyone like that in your life, be that for somebody else. If you don't have someone that you feel like you're missing that part of your life, I felt like God wanted me to just encourage you to be that for someone. Be a confidential place where somebody can share what they're feeling and what they're facing and let the mask down and share who they really are and know that it's safe with you, that you're not going to repeat it, that you're not going to use it against them as ammunition, but that you're going to pray with them, that you're going to love them through whatever it is they're facing or feeling. Be that for somebody. And God will bring that person into our lives. And so, Father, we just thank you so much. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.